Good morning, good afternoon, uh, good late afternoon to some of you joining and listening in. Uh, my name is John Carroll. I'm the CEO and founder of the Service Council. Welcome to today's in-service podcast series uh, segment, uh, A Buyer's Guide to AI for Service. I am incredibly pleased and humbled to be joined by one of our newest uh, technology advisory board members, Nikan Patel. Nikan is the CEO and founder of Neuron7.ai. Nikan, a very warm welcome to you. Thanks a lot, John. It's great to be uh, great to be here and uh, being associated with uh, Service Council is, is also an honor. So appreciate you having us on. Outstanding. Yeah, I'm looking forward to digging in, Nick, in our planning session. I know this is going to be a great segment, so appreciate you sitting in with me. You know, this topic of AI has been building, right? Obviously, this there's been a, a growing momentum uh, around the topic of AI. And, and when you kind of step out of AI and look at the, just the broader field service and service management segment, you know, whatever your source of data is in terms of market growth, um, compound annual growth rates are somewhere between 25 and $30 billion from now until the year 2031. What piece of the pie is AI, right? Um, that, that's the question. Uh, you know, our research indicates you know, earlier this year uh, that 29% of service leaders were prioritizing an AI investment. And when we recast the same survey in the June midpoint of the year, it jumped all the way up to 49%. So it was a 20 point swing in terms of investment priority. And uh, we're gonna be launching our service leaders agenda research uh, and benchmark effort here uh, in November, December. Um, and uh, we're, we're thinking about carving out a specific AI benchmark survey. So stay tuned for that. Um, but um, uh, we'll see. We'll see if that continues to go up and to the right or, or where we are. But, you know, needless to say, AI has become a very uh, pertinent topic to service leaders, field service leaders. So I'm really pleased that we're going to kind of sift through some of the confusion in the market and really present a, a prescriptive learning experience today on how to build your buyer guide and your journey to AI. Um, and and Nikan is a, a real thought leader around this topic. So I'll welcome Nikan back in just a, a minute here. A couple quick housekeeping items. We'd like to keep this interactive. We are broadcasting live to LinkedIn. So thank you to our LinkedIn listening, uh, listening audience here. Hopefully you become our participating audience. So if you'd like to comment or submit questions, uh, we welcome you to do so. We'll try to fit it into our 45 to one hour uh, podcast here. And if you'd like to reference back this podcast, we do capture it in a consumable format. Uh, you can access it on our website. Uh, the, I think the broadcast will be available on Neuron7.ai's website. Um, and uh, you can get it on whatever podcast channel you subscribe to, whether it be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Overcast, and, and whatever else. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. Nick and I know you, <laughs> uh, but the market might not fully know you yet. So maybe we could start with a personal and professional introduction to yourself, and then we'll get into the company. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, so Nikan Patel, um, you know, uh, CEO and co-founder of Neuron7. But uh, before that, we uh, spent 20 plus years um, in the CX customer experience space. That's all I've done. That's been my career. That place, uh, that space keeps on reinventing uh, itself. And so do I. And so it's super exciting. So I've come from the domain of service and field service, right? Implemented um, directly or indirectly, I've been associated with uh, probably three, 400 uh, implementations and some of the largest companies in the world. Uh, we were Oracle Top's top partner. Uh, we used to create vertical templates that sat on top of Oracle Cloud, CRM Cloud or mm -hmm. CX Cloud. And so we got to know intimately a lot of industries like semiconductor and component manufacturing and, and uh, real estate and so on and so forth. So that's been the exposure. That's been uh, my formative years. We were uh, lucky enough to exit out of two companies. So we've had, we know how to create companies, scale them, manage them, grow them, add value to our customers. And then, um, you know, probably my fascination with uh, AI and NLP started some five or six years ago. And, um, you know, you you took everything that you learned from those 20 years, bundled it into this uh, crazy field of AI and NLP and, and out came Neuron7. So <laughs> last four, uh, four years, um, it's going to be almost four years to the to the date now and in a month's time. And uh, we've been very, very focused on 
um, you know, how to get the best of AI and NLP to our customers in and in this particular domain. We obviously trying to create a brand new category. Um, and for me personally, uh, you know, this has been uh, a journey of of um, knowing what I know into a field that is constantly changing. I, I feel like I'm a lifelong learner, and it's uh, it's uh, I'm just having a, a field day here. It's, it's it's fascinating and it's fun building it uh, in a field like this. That's outstanding. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Neuron Seven AI a little bit more of a deeper introduction and and your founder's story. Was it was it was the concept generated out of a garage? Was it in a dorm room? Was was it your 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 parents' basement? What what? So <laughs> it, it sounded like it it came from you know years of experience building, scaling, and exiting companies and being yeah. in the customer experience space. So uh, kudos to you for bottling up all those learnings over the years and and now building a, a really impressive company. Well, we, we did we did start two months before COVID hit, right? And so uh, we were we were definitely shut off in a in 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 our houses in the room. So if you think about it, all of Neuron Seven, the first employee got hired on Zoom and and Teams, uh, first few customers, the brainstorming uh, on the product, um, everything was at the you know, the two formative years were the two formative years of COVID. So it was very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, like, how do you go prospect? And how do you go get to 50 customers? And how do you do whiteboarding sessions? So it has been a very, very interesting journey. Um, but it started, you know, yes, there was there was the learnings and there was a lot of mulling over, like, why do, why do these complex environments never work, right? So we always... When we, whenever we did implementations and large-scale implementations, global implementations, the one thing that would always fail, frankly, was the knowledge project, right? The, the knowledge creation of articles and stuff of that could just not scale at these very large global companies that had like hundreds of products and dispersed team and stuff of that. And I was always like, um, man, this is there's just this is just not the best thing that the world had come up with at that point in time was a bunch of KB articles and then keyword-based search on it, right? You were sending your field technicians and uh, into the jungle, so to speak, in front of your customers with all these very complex products and stuff of like that without anything more than a, than a keyword-based search and, and some knowledge articles. So um, when I kind of came across NLP and AI, I had an inkling uh, that this may be where the answer lies. Sure. Um, and then apart from obviously reading a lot of books, you know, how, how you learn, you learn from books and people, two sure. things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started with that quest of doing that. And then uh, apart from the books that kind of firmed up my point of view, um, you know, we met, a, we met a bunch of PhDs in the manufacturing automotive sector that were doing a lot of R&D, uh, that were using notes um, and dealer notes, you know, when you go give your car for to a dealer. Sure. You know, they write, the technician writes up all these notes and, and they would t aggregate all of this without touching the car. They could tell this is what's wrong with a 2012 Chevy versus a 2017 Chevy, like completely different product. Yeah. And I'm looking at that and I'm very fascinated. I'm like, so you could do this all without ever touching the car just based on these millions of, uh, but they were incredibly academically focused and focused on engineering. And I'm like, why are you trying to make the product better? There's an immediate need to make the service call center agent and the field technician, you could use this immediately. So that, um, it must be probably over hundreds of conversations, Sure. but I could just feel it in my bones that there is a way to solve this issue and the struggle of the last 20 years. And then, yeah, it was not as exciting as starting in a garage, but it was starting in one of the extra <laughs> guest bedrooms in the house. And hey. Hey, if you can if you can persevere the pandemic and and launch a company and come out as successfully as you have, uh, that that deserves a round of applause. So kudos to you and the team. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, the the concept of acquiring. Let's move on to like the confusion that exists in the market, right? Because the concept of acquiring, organizing, disseminating information and knowledge is isn't new, right? We've had technology categories like BI and analytics and knowledge management and you know, well-defined technology categories for many, many years. But AI has kind of burst onto the scene and all of a sudden becoming one of the more popular technology categories and one of the more popular uh, investment priorities. And so 
let's help with, with our listeners if we can sift through some of the confusion. Are there different options of AI available to, to service organizations? Can we maybe start with like defining AI in a, in a way? Yeah. Yeah, there is a there is a ton of options available. Um, you know, we'll narrow it down to the service options in a minute here. But just you know, sure. we're gonna step back. I, I think AI is is you know, we define AI as anything that helps you know machines and computers demonstrate and get closer um, to human intelligence. Right, mm -hmm. the closest we have come to now is neural networks. Um, but I think that's very important. It basically adapts and learns to uh, the environment, which is what humans do the best. And that's how we get better and better. And so that is very critical. So I'm going to go start with, and I, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of confusion about AI. People like to throw it everywhere now. Yeah. And so I'm going to go and say, what is not AI first? So that you can distinctly yeah. figure that out. Um, you know, if, them, if, if, a, if a program is not demonstrating that adaptability, that learning and getting better, then it's not an AI tool, right? So things are that are rules engine, right? Things that are decision trees that have been given instructions to do the same thing and they're following what you're doing, um, they're not AI, right? Statistics is not AI. Um, but when you have um, when you have programs, even if it is as simple as, um, you know, give me the most famous example is give me the list of, uh, you know, show me show an AI program, cats and dogs images, show it something brand new and knows that this image that didn't exist is a cat or a dog. That is the most famous example, but it's adaptability, learning something new that it's basically going and helping you with. Um, and I think from, from a customer's perspective, making a distinction when you are in the buying process, when you're looking at use cases on what are AI specific use cases and which are not, is probably yeah. the start of the journey. Yeah. Um, in the service, if I just pair my service hat on, um, there is a ton of options. The simplest ones are the ones that are classification based, simple machine learning, mm -hmm. their table stakes, everybody's got it. And it's going in and saying, I want to categorize my cases based on the past. And this is a billing issue, right? So categorize it. This is the language. This is this case came in in Chinese. So I should send it to the call center that supports that language skill based. So as and when cases come in, you're classifying cases to help you and, and uh, help the agent and so on. Those are the simple ones. But I think now it's getting very, very interesting. We're getting now to a point where this field is going to get transformed. And all of us yeah. are lucky enough. We're not going to deliver incremental. We're going to transform service in the next few years to come. And the things that are now available to you in terms of AI, right? Mm with not just gen ai but include but neural networks and and being able to go in and understand the domain very very quickly of an organization and yeah. so the accuracy so summarization semantic uh, similarity for search those are ai algorithms so there are ai algorithms that are specific to use cases there is a bunch of them but okay. there is still a finite category of ai algorithms if it's search then you're looking at semantic similarity, case summarization, so, such things that help with search. If it is deep AI that needs to go look at all of your KB articles or looks at all of the cases, then there is NLP based. Mm -hmm. We now have Gen AI where, you know, what people are very familiar with is conversational capabilities, right? Yeah. Hey, can I generate, give it a summary, uh, give me a summary as an output. I'm going to give you a 700 page KB article or a manual as input. I'm going to give you five summarize across all of them. Um, so those are the different categories, yeah. but it's pretty defined in terms of this is the category of AI that you use for this particular use case. You define what your top use cases are. You define whether the, the use cases are AI or non AI. And then within the AI, what is the right way to go about looking at the models is, is how I would see it. So in, in, in many regards, AI is a brain. It's a neural network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So AI has AI is something that simulates or gets to human intelligence or human behavior. The ones that are furthest out or the most sophisticated, the path breaking technology wise, everybody, all of a sudden, grew, you know, realizing it is neural networks. Sure. And the path breaking way of training neural networks is how 
we are now being able to give data points to this network of of uh, of algorithms one at a time that it could be one algorithm it has a way to give it parameters where you could give it billions of parameters and now the context of what it can consume is extremely high so yep. gpt3 right you, we have billions of parameters that that neural network is trained on that is the exciting piece that's the, the most advanced form of ai that we as a world in the world have known right and then the simple stuff like classification machine learning has been there forever outstanding great great sort of table setting here for the for the discussion let's get into some of the serviceability challenges because you made a statement pretty provocative one that the, the service industry is going to be transformed perpetually really soon uh, because of ai so uh, according to the 2023 voice of the field service engineer survey 88% of responding technicians and engineers indicate that repair, repair and brake fix uh, is a primary aspect of the work. And an equivalent 88% believe that the knowledge required to support those products and those issues in the field is increasing, followed by 86% that indicate the work requires greater technology knowledge, and three out of four indicating the products are just more complex, right? So the complexity of the, the delivery and the issue resolution and the repair instances is going up and to the right, right? It's just getting harder and harder and more challenging. Can you help us maybe define some of the serviceability issues that you see or you're hearing in the front line? And, and, and maybe you can dig in on that, you know, transformative statement that you made in terms of uh, the service industry and how AI is going to play a role in that. That would be helpful. Yeah, and I, I think you you nailed. It. I think that survey results. I loved it when I saw them because we are absolutely seeing that you know last four years. So I think there is no question that products are getting more complex, right? Every yeah. single product has now got you know um, components of software in there. There is network uh, and and connectivity in products and cars to things in in the house. Like you know, I changed my Wi-Fi password in my house. And there were 72 devices right, shouting about the change in password. My garage door opener and sprinkler. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't realize this is the number of uh, device and appliances in the house using Wi-Fi, right? And, and I think that is, if you take that in the B2B context, let's kind of define this a little bit, right? So take med device companies, take industrial equipment companies, take high-tech companies. Yeah. Think about everything that is happening in the data center. Each of these companies, a Cisco, um, has thousands of products, right? Um, and like you said, break fix or not, if I am a technician, if I am working for a Cisco or I'm working for Map Diagnostics and stuff like that, yeah. I have to be a, I have to know all of these products, um, the errors in each of these products, and each of these products are getting more and more complex. The next version that comes in from engineering is even yeah. more complex than the next one, like the previous one. Sorry, that has got more hardware, more software and networking. And so I think it's getting to a problem of plenty, right? So I think sure. that's how we define it, where, uh, you know, a thousand products and, and 50 errors each is 50,000. Yeah. I think the exciting, the exciting part and the transformative part of where we are in our journey of how AI can help here is we're at a point where we now can, for each of these 50,000 malfunctions and errors across these thousand products for a Cisco, or, or an Abbott, you can, for each of them, provide exact five-step process to solve that issue, right? Sure. Like I can give you, at scale, um, the answer that was never, what we had before was a bunch of KB articles and search, and that search was keyword-based search, and so we just find the keywords across thousands of manuals, and we had a customer that showed us, here's a manual, I got 10,000 of them, in this particular manual, which is 700 pages, this word is mentioned, circuit pack fail is mentioned probably yeah. a thousand times and it's just going within. That was the craziness. Whereas now we can give you, you know, call it a co-pilot. We used to call it a Neuron 7 buddy. All right, co-pilot, right? Everybody loves the word co-pilot. So for each of them, you can now give it the exact answer. That's the yeah. exciting piece where if you can imagine for a bit, John, like think about yeah. it as... And I'll come up to to exactly what changes with Gen AI, right? What is why is a six months different from the previous world? But let's say you came out with a better mousetrap, 
across the last six months and the previous world of AI. Yeah. But think about it. It's it's a if you had a, a super super brain that actually went through every single case you had in the past, that has read through all of your manuals, that understands the terminology of an Abbott or a Cisco, which is very very technical, like a sure. network. And it never sleeps. It's there 24 by 7. And that buddy is available to you to call anytime you want. Right. And it's learning every single time. In the morning, it was smart, but it's smarter in the evening with 500 more cases that it yeah. saw and learned from. That's available now. That's available at scale. That's available to every person in the company. And that's why this is going to be transformative because I've never seen yeah. in 25 years the capability of providing the accuracy and you're providing that accuracy in weeks yeah that is that is why i firmly believe we are changing yeah. the world on service yeah a, a lot of people have been talking about guided workflows and prescriptive and proactive experiences and not just in the customer realm but also inside the organization for employees right you think about you know how big of a problem you know, this challenge, this complex environment is, we, we actually asked the, the technicians in a follow-up question, what, what don't you like about your day-to-day? -day? Number one, and leader in the clubhouse is always paperwork and admin, right? Bane of their existence. Uh, being tracked this year rose up to number two. It was completely absent. It was number seven last year. We think that's a cultural challenge with respect to uh, not having the frontline participate in digital transformation so we're going to talk about the the pathway to transforming in a little bit and and uh we might urge uh, listeners to consider the involvement of their frontline in, in transformations uh, we see that as a best practice but number three and it's been consistently number two or number three and actually in, in some years number one is the time spent finding information right yeah. so like searching for information they get stuck and 81 percent of the time they still phone a friend Right. So it's, yeah. you know, how do we lessen the dependency on picking up and phoning a friend and give them the, the information, the knowledge and the intelligence they need in the moment so they can be efficient. Utilization goes up. The stress goes down. There's so many good things. Issue resolution speeds up. Customers happier. There's nothing yeah. but goodness here by doing that. So any reaction to that complexity problem, the depth of the complexity there? Yeah, no, I, I, I firmly believe that, you know, if you if you we we've met and we've gone into the call centers and the service centers and field technicians and stuff of like that you know the reason why they are doing their job is because they want to solve the customer issue there is a yeah. inherent pleasure and a sense of worth that you get when you are at a customer site you know you're in front of a ct scanner and you're able to fix it so the hospital is up and running quickly there is that sense of worth that they want right yep. they yep. want to have the answers and so when it's very frustrating for them, when there is all these manuals and you're searching for it, you can't find the name of a part. They can't find yeah. why is this voltage in, hidden in some table. So I think I think search, um, if I can start with that, we always, when we went into Neuron 7's business, we always thought search was a solved problem. We were like, well, Google's exist for a long time. Yeah. In the enterprise, it should be like, you know, how, like, I absolutely don't think it is solved, right? So, yep. and specifically why, John, I think, think about the people that we are dealing you know, the products that they have. And again, we are talking about the complex world, right? I'm not talking about a generic uh, checking account or, or something that everybody understands. You know, some of these manuals are incredibly technical, right? The terminology is very, very difficult to understand. Like we, when we see, uh, you know, we don't understand oscilloscopes and CT scanners and stuff like that. When you see the documentation, you're like, I can't even read five lines of this, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it was very difficult for computer systems and search technology to take all of this very heavy terminology, you know, technical things and, and get the accurate results. Sure. That has changed, right? Yeah. Yeah. How good the AI algorithms are, how quickly can they understand your terminology in telecom rf is radio frequency right yeah cutting the door and closing the door is the same thing it's natural for a human to think about that right yeah. ai is now uh, at a point where even in in very very technical terms and i think that is where search is going to change completely sure. um and finding information so we get that a lot i think your whole hey we can't find information 
that is on top as well. Uh, but I think the the other thing that is going to really help is the co-pilots that everybody's coming out with to help yeah. the human do the work better. Yeah. Their time in searching for the answer is going to be spent less. Sure. And because they have the right answer available to them, you know, error 3309 on model number 700, right, which is one of the 50,000 issues, <laughs> that answer available, they're going to spend more time with the customer fixing the machine and then also fixing the next one, the next error that is there, so that when they leave, you know, this machine is not going to go down. They're not going to get called again in 60 days. And the customer is incredibly satisfied. We view our vision at Neuron7 is to help the human yep. make accurate decisions. If you think about a complex service organization, it makes hundreds of decisions every minute. Who yeah. do I send? Do I replace this part or, or repair it? What is the next likely occurring issue here now that I've fixed this? We want to help with all of those decisions in a service enterprise at scale. And that is all going to translate to human productivity, right? I think your list is perfect. Yeah. And that's why I think it's going to be transformational as well, because every single case, every single person, field technician or agent, and for every single product, we're going to be able to deliver that accuracy. Outstanding. Let's. Uh, we did have our, our, our listening audience has has transformed into our participating audience. Thank you very much, uh, Savio uh, Gadella. Sorry if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly, but any data on technology adoption uh, adoption rate by FSEs? Yes, we do have that data, um, and I, I would tell you that uh, there is a, an overwhelming positive response to technology. Um, so you know, uniformly across the board, by category, we have all the data rates in terms of their level of positivity and in, in response to certain technology types and where they think it makes the bigger impact. Is it CX? Is it uh, throughput and utilization? Is it profit and revenue? Is it something other? So we do have like really sophisticated data charts and all that cool stuff. So we can share that with you. I would tell you that, um, where we see a disconnect is the involvement of the frontline and field service engineers in developing the path of technology enablement that they are actually provided, right? So 41% of technicians and engineers don't feel like they have a role in innovation. Um, nearly equivalent, uh, almost 35% don't feel like their management listens or enacts their feedback into their strategy in terms of transformation. So there's still a little bit of a disconnect between listening and participation from the frontline in some of these wild uh, digital transformations that are being led by the IT and, and services leadership uh, departments. So opportunities for, for growth here. Thank you for your participation. And I'd be glad to connect with you one-to-one -to, -one to review those fancier charts by technology category in terms of adoption. So thank you. Nick, and let's go, let's get back onto the topic du jour, right? Which is a buyer's guide, a pathway, right? How do you, how do you journey, right? So I've been the beneficiary of hosting hundreds of these podcasts and webinars and speakers. And, you know, there's some common steps that organizations take when they're going down a digital transformation or a technology transformation. One, yeah. it, it, there's no stop and finish. There's no, there's no start and finish, I should say. So it's a continuum, right? Two is, uh, you know, start with the customer, work your way backwards. Uh, think big, start small. We've heard that ad nauseum. Fail fast, communicate often, right? So these are some of the things that we've just gathered. Um, how, how should organizations seeking to initiate or get support for an AI project evaluate tools and prepare for a successful presentation? And I've got a follow up, uh, maybe one or two behind that. Where, where do they start? Yeah, that's a fantastic question, John. And I think this is something that needs a lot more discussion then then happen so so thank you for bringing this to the forefront because i i know you have um in the service council some very important people and, and decision makers going through this process right now so i do firmly believe that more th more than thousands of companies are going to be on this journey very very quickly over the next couple of years i think the key is and we just were sitting with one of the large high-tech companies yesterday for a half uh, half a day session they had the engineering they had their tier two, tier one support executives, everybody. And we were like, okay, how do we come up with a roadmap? 
and it was very indicative. I think every single department had their laundry list of where their perception of AI could help, saying here's the use cases and so on and so forth. I think the number one thing is to go figure out what is the most business impacting things for your particular organization. So I think the priority is, is super important, like not just do AI for the sake of it. You want to get it right, because if it does not get right the first time around, there's going to be a lot of loss of belief in AI in the company overall. Right. So I'm a very big believer in select two things. One is impact. Yep. Right. And say, here are the top three areas of impact. If you guys, you know, I, I have this favorite question that I ask all service leaders, John, you may laugh at it, is like, what gets you fired? What gets you promoted? Yeah. So I go to every single VP and at some point in time, I'm like, hey, can I ask you a simple question? You're the VP of global service. You've got $2 billion under you in service revenue. What is it? And it's amazing. A lot of companies, a lot of people in the, in the, um, in the service world are, would say, hey, resolution cost um per case yeah. uh, and then i want to now get into my revenue optimization i want to see it at the table so i think if you just take that those lens and say okay at this point in time wherever your organization is what are the two give me two that are going to be the biggest impact for you right yep. our job then is to see if one of the two broken down into use cases can be delivered easily if, is there an easy button on one of these top two priorities if there is one then go for it, right? Because if we can deliver something in three months, that is going to create significant impact. That's a no-brainer. That should be a no-brainer, right? Yep. Uh, but I think the number one thing that I would basically say is, you know, have somebody who is a partner who can give you, yes, this can be done quickly. Yeah. This is AI versus not. Like going back to our original conversation, hey, this use case has nothing to do with AI. Like, you know, it should be done somewhere else. It's yep. an analytics problem or something. Um, but keep that partner engaged and, and from a best practice perspective, I absolutely think. Um, and then when you kind of look at, so once the business metric is set and say, these are the, my top two, yeah. there's a bunch of use cases below that business metric that define the functionality that is needed, right? If it's cost, I want to go after parts. I want to go after faster onboarding. Yeah. I cannot not capture the expert knowledge of my thousand people that have been around for the longest time. Like these are my priorities. Now you've broken it down to use cases that can be consumed. And then comes the decision. So you got the priorities done. Everybody's behind it. You got a, the, is, is there an easy button there? And now you have your set of use cases saying, this is what we need to go after. Then comes a simple decision of you looking at those use cases and say, is this what I define as, is this generic AI? Or is this domain-specific, deep, vertical AI, yeah. right? Yeah. Going back to, there is a lot of different ways of buying AI, right? Uh, and I'll come to that in a second. But it's important to determine, hey, this is a simple, I just need to go and implement routing and classification because mm -hmm. my cases need to land up in the right call center. I need to recognize the language, the category, and if AI helps me out, I'm not going to triage all of that. Let me just automatically do that in three seconds and we are good. Awesome. Yeah. Second, a lot of times we are finding this with at least, we've gone to at least, we've gone and processed data for at least 100 out of the Fortune 1000 companies in our last four years, right? And search is the one that comes out, like just not finding, I've spent millions of dollars creating my KB articles and stuff. If I can just have... We had a company yesterday um, and one of the conferences saying, I have a 60 minute process, mm -hmm. 40 minutes goes into finding stuff, right? And I have a $250 um, attached rate to my resolution cost. So $200 of that cost is going into just finding stuff. Very high impact across thousands of calls every single day, right? If yeah. I can solve that with search and I can do classification, I got my top two. I want to go in and then say, if I can deploy this in three months, I got a, I got everybody believing my decision maker that AI works, A, yep. is, is impact. Uh, but the second one, from a search perspective, if you are somebody who's got incredibly technology heavy terminology and, and you are a complex environment, that is a deep domain AI. It's not a simple AI use case. Sure. sure. Um, and I think people need to 
my biggest frustration honestly is when everybody just uses a single ai like it's it's service ai <laughs> and not all ai is created equal it's like saying software john right it's like <laughs> you know it's software it should all work as software no there is intuit that is quickbooks that is invoices and and it attacks a very different there is software for that world and then there's software for crm and those are very very different things so you can't just take salesforce and start using it in in uh, as, as something completely different so uh, the same thing is true i think that education is going to come in the next couple of years sure. where not all ai is just created equal you yep. have to go next level deeper and it's not just one algorithm that's another big thing right yeah. it's not yeah. one algorithm that solves a case it's a cocktail as i call it of 50 sure. algorithms that come together to solve a particular use case which could be predicting the right part right so yeah. i think that distinction needs to be made so you determine metrics use cases is there an easy button here what am i going to start with in my crawl walk run yeah. and then does it need domain specific or generic ai outstanding so let's build on that okay so can can any data set be artificial intelligence right is there is there a situation where it makes sense versus not making sense? Can can you maybe solve yeah. that kind of confusion in the marketplace? Yeah, that's a great question. Let's just keep uh, let's put our keep putting our service hat on, right? Sure. For a second, uh, sure. Say, you know, for a domain, and and that is that translates into revenue, translation of sales and supply chain and all that stuff. But since we are in the in in the in the service world right now, so there are data sets where there is intelligence right mm -hmm. so past cases no brainer past work orders no brainer kb articles and manuals no brainer machine data right there is log files there is telemetry data that your machines are producing mm -hmm. the machine is a customer if you treat the machine as a customer mm -hmm. you are now matting that um so i think i think the 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 way I would look at it is depending on again going back to the use cases, right, mm -hmm. and going back to your business uh, metrics. The use cases define the data sources and the AI. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we are at a point finally, and I would not have said that four, three, four years ago, but we are at that point where now yeah. all data sets is game, right? We yeah. are at a point where, hey, I don't know how you guys are going to find signal. Uh, from millions of work orders and half my work orders are not my yeah. customer descriptions are one of the, the pet things that I hear everywhere is my customer descriptions are horrible. I don't know how you're going to solve something if the four word description is device not working well. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. uh, but it's possible now to leverage unstructured data like never before, like text. Yep. Um, you're able to go in and do on videos, the video to text and search on those things as well. You're able to go through multiple manuals and, and uh, you know, languages are no longer a barrier, right? So we are at a point now where it's extremely accurate, where a Japanese user can ask a question in Japanese. The answer lies in a Portuguese document somewhere. Yep. And the answer is translated in two or three seconds. It not only finds the right answer across 10,000 manuals, goes to the right paragraph, figures out the answers, translates it back into Japanese and does all of that in three seconds. Right. Yep. So a lot of data sources are game now. Sure. Um, and um, for service specifically, it is going to be heterogeneous data set. You cannot go for an AI tool that works only on Hey, I'm going to just work on CRM data. I'm going to, I, I am looking only at log files and I just look at machine data to give you an answer. Sure. Those days are gone. Yep. Combine all of this, where is your signal? Find the signal and get answers. Uh, that, that, that is a game changer. And I think the biggest thing that is driving accuracy for us, our yep. top three are past cases and work orders, sure. AB articles and manuals. And the most important thing uh, that, accuracy jumps is the humans themselves like yeah. expert knowledge capture happens institutional knowledge capture is added to our ai yeah. that is when we're seeing the accuracy germ you know um humans 
fortunately are still the number one source of accuracy. So thank God. <laughs> you know, if anything, the last three years has taught us that, it, first of all, some bumps in the path, right? But you got to love the process, right? The, the, the AI is a journey, right? And yes. and if you are committed and you love that process and you and, and you have a commitment to the process, right? It, it's going to improve and, and you will achieve the outcomes that you anticipate and all the things that we've been talking about. So love thy process because the three-year journey is one you, you're going to always encounter bumps in the road. And then you, you get to a point where, uh, you know, the, the transformation starts to hit rhythm and, yep. and, uh, and all of a sudden, voila. Right. And it's magic. Let, let's get into uh, the, the time frame. You said something about I heard three months in there. Right. So that was one one time frame allotment that I heard. Um, what what can an organization expect in terms of time frame for a transformation like this? I talked about the notion that it's a continuum. It's never ending. It's no start, and no finish. But yeah. what's what's an anticipated timeline for AI to be deployed? to be actually making an impact at an organization from your standpoint? What are you seeing? Yeah, and, and John, if you don't mind, I'm going to take it a little step backwards because I think the different options that you have, the build versus buy drives the time frame conversation. Sure. Right? Um, so if I am a service executive knowing what I know and I basically want, I have a global organization, I have billions of dollars coming in, there is multiple options that I have at my uh, disposal to go buy um, and install this, right? I can go, I can go to the platform, guys. Right? I can mm -hmm. go to AWS, Azure. They all have AI as a service. Yep. Um, they, you can go to a DataBricks or a Snowflake yep. and say, you know, my data and AI can come together. Sure. And I'm going to go in. I'm going to standardize on a platform and across the entire company. And then I've got all the algorithms and open source models available. They're at my disposal. And I'm going to have this platform give me my sales forecasting, my supply chain management, engineering use cases, service, field service. I'm going to use this platform for everything, right? So that's an option. There's an option where the CRM vendors, right, you know, Zendesk and Salesforce and everybody obviously has got use cases that they are saying, hey, sure. this is, this is, and then there are specialized use, there are specialized domain specific companies like outreach. Uh, sales intelligence and Gong from a conversational perspective, Neuron 7 from a service intelligence perspective. We are all trying to solve something quickly and it's, it's you know, it's, it should be familiar to executives. This is the whole buy versus build. Sure. More generic the platform, um, the more build, right? Yeah. So I've got all my algorithms. If you go back to my earlier comment, each use case may have a cocktail of 50 or so AI algorithm, somebody has to figure out the, the cocktail. Yep. Right. Then somebody yep. has to figure out the governance around it. Right. So it's not as simple as calling an AI algorithm is two lines of code. It is, there is nothing to it. It's the same algorithm. Everybody's got random for us. And if your solution is going to be a simple linear regression or something that's simple, right. Mm -hmm. But creating an AI product that is going to work at scale is going to be accurate and it's going to be ongoing needs a lot more than than not just those 50 algorithms in the cocktail it needs the governance model it needs a data pipeline for yeah. net new things it needs to be integrated into your crm and stuff for that so that really matters in the time frame right if i'm building more and if i'm going to bring in an accenture and give them a half a million or a million dollars to build something um you know that may be the route to go but that is going to impact sure um, and the buy more is is where you're going to have quicker impact um i truly feel um that people are going to just like in the old world of enterprise software like you could have easily created a crm yeah a crm is a bunch of you know data it's a data model with a sophisticated sql generator yeah. and then some workflows on top and somebody could say hey and we did that we basically were at that point where people are like why should i not just create my own uh this is sure. a simple tool um and here we are and i think that's what's going to happen in ai as well where sure. the realization of what goes in and the amount of time my biggest question is always you can do that you can go in and build your own you can buy a platform and do it what if after a year and a half you yeah. land up at 67 percent accuracy right right versus buying something that is at 85 
That difference is millions of dollars. The bigger impact is you just spend a year and a half building this and you lost out on the AI learning from your business for a year and a half. Huge yeah. opportunity cost. Yeah. Why should I even lose three months? I should have my AI learned today. Um, but now I've, that I've given you all this context, sorry. Um, I think <laughs> going back to the, the question on the service side, we are at a point where at least I can speak for Neuron7, um, sure. where um, we have tweaked, tweaked, tweaked this thing for four years constantly. Right? The time to value and accuracy have been our two North Stars. And we are deploying the first set of use cases within weeks now. So literally, if you give us the data um, of all of your cases and stuff for that, the first set of predictions can come out to you in two or three weeks. You have the mm -hmm. subject matter experts look at it another three weeks or four weeks. And mm -hmm. we are literally going live um, with even complex couple of use cases in that in that two, three month time frame. Uh, and you would be surprised because the, our first reaction is that sounds too good to be true. And I tell <laughs> customers that's the first buying sign when you say that, because that means <laughs> if I prove it, you'll buy. Uh, and the second reaction is uh, when we show the technician or the subject matter expert the results, a lot of times they're like, wow, I don't know how you figured that out. But, you know, that's what I typically do. These two don't make sense. These six absolutely make sense. Yeah, that's when they become believers and okay, this is possible. It actually sure. did learn from last three, four years of history. But uh, I think we're at a point where it's weeks. Um, and that's why I want people to choose the high impact thing. Let's make people believers. If we went from zero to deploying something in production, uh, now you have a lot of people believing and now the, the roadmap can keep going and it's a continuum then. Outstanding. We've uh, the, there's we're going to get to a, a broader sort of question for you in terms of learning moments, and you kind of framed some of those already. But we have a couple of questions from our participating audience that I think build on those learning moments, and you might have some commentary in response. So, Savio, um, uh, thank you for your uh, contributions today. Uh, Nick, and can you talk about the role of AI in self-service? More specifically, how to limit what AI provides so that customers are not empowered and perhaps encouraged to undertake a repair, for example. Um, yeah. so, so the yeah. government, the governance process of the empowerment that comes from AI. Uh, maybe you can talk yeah. a little bit about that. So, um, so I, th I think call deflection um, and, and hey, I don't even want to see this case come in, uh, not only because I want to reduce cost, but also I want to deliver a better customer experience. I would love for customers to just know exactly what to do is probably right up there in terms of a multiple uh, multiple customers in industry want that particular use case right yep. here is how we think about it i think you know your customers are most important in terms of making sure that there is credibility behind your brand so if neuron 7 was going to be implemented we want to make sure that the accuracy is like way high up when we kind of go in and, and do all these things right yep. so most of our customers start with the internal employees first. So they would basically say, take all this data and let's see what would be in the result if we are deploying this in support and field service or support and repair. Sure. You then, obviously this is a learning algorithm. And so over the next six months, it's going to zoom from an accuracy of whatever it is, 80% to 90% and so on and so forth. And then you have a threshold that, all right, we have reached that point in time where we can now shift what we have and then put it in the self-service mode, right? Yep. So learns from your data, yep. learns from your experts, then it learns from everybody in the organization internally. Mm -hmm. right? It gets better with each of these three stages. When it gets to the point of threshold of saying, I think this is good enough for customers, you shift left, yep. right? Which is go in and deploy it in self-service mode, but you know exactly what's gonna happen um, and it's it's ongoing. It's smarter and stuff for that. Um, and I think I think how you deploy is very very important. I think one of my biggest learnings is meet your internal user and customer and your external customer where they exist. Mm -hmm. Do not create a separate silo called Neuron Seven internally. That's going to bring that option down like crazy, right? Yeah. We are within Salesforce, within SAP, within Microsoft, within ServiceNow. We are investing a lot of dollars mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So that when somebody has deployed Neuron 7, it deploys Neuron 7 within Salesforce or ServiceNow, wherever. I've already got 5,000 users worldwide within Salesforce. One button click, I should be downloading it just like an app on Apple. Meet them where they exist. Infuse the AI predictions within their daily life seamlessly. They should all. They should almost not even know that they are going to a different uh, product, right? It yeah. should just be in that day. We call it path to path to progress or path to revenue, whatever it yeah. is within your daily life. And same thing is true for customers as well, right? Um, yeah. Anywhere they exist, they're doing. They're having a chat with you mm -hmm. um, on your portal. The AI should give an answer there, right? Because they're trying to create a case. Uh, so that's that's how you should do it. Outstanding, great response. Yeah, uh, don't create another silo, another uh, disparate database, right? Okay. Um, let's get to another question submitted from a, a, an anonymous LinkedIn user. Don't you think it's advisable to push for AI implementations to start from R&D before reaching, even reaching the field service organization? And then there's a part two and three there, if you can see it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. A fan. I mean, great question, by the way. And, and I get that a lot. I, I, yeah. I basically uh, get, hey, um, let me start with my most educated users. The idea is if I can seed the AI with mm -hmm. the most educated users, like R&D and then engineering, and then my tier two, and then my tier one, and then tier zero, right? The idea is I want to start with, you know, go go to the people that know the product extremely well. Sure. Uh, while commonsensically it does make, uh, does make sense to kind of go down that path, it's not necessary, right? Because mm -hmm. the assumption here is it's only the humans. There's two sources of intelligence that you have in the enterprise. One is your people, for sure, but it's mm -hmm. also your data, right? Yep. We are trying to go tap into both sources of intelligence. And so your data, right? If you are a believer and you will get to a, be a believer after you see the first use case be accurate. Uh, if you're a believer in AI, you basically saying, hey, there is 10 years of history of how the same R&D department or engineering or service and repair have solved cases. Sure. Let me learn from that, right? It's an indication of what that brain did. If let's say I'm one of your top, technicians and, and John, you're my manager. And if I resign, you're going to be in a bad mood. Um, you know, apart from, apart from my knowledge and how I'm going to do and learning from the next six months, keep in mind, I've done five years of solving cases for you right before this. Yeah. So that data exists for me to go tap into, right. As a starting point. So I think the right thing to do is tap, tap into your past data, right. Sure. Uh, and then start with your deepest pain points. Don't delay this. I think if you had to do a cost benefit, and I, one of my customers says this all the time, um, you know, it, it's more costly not to do anything, right? And so you don't ruin good for great. Sure. Right? You'd rather start where the pain point is, put it in the tech support center, start learning from it. Don't wait for engineering and R&D, and then go all the way to uh, to tech support. Let's talk about sort of prognosticating the future. Thank you, by the way, to uh, the community that's uh, contributing these questions. Uh, great, great, great discussion. Um, let's talk about the future, future of this category, future of field service, future of the whole the whole ball of wax here. What, what What's next? What's next for Neuron7, AI.ai? What's next for the category of AI, what's next for field service? Maybe you could frame your thoughts and, and viewpoints there. That, that, By the way, that could be our next podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, my, um, I, I think we are at a point of no return. I think thousands of companies, like I said, are going to go down that path. And I think the, if I can frame it a little bit, John, yeah, you have a, in the service and field service world, you have a system of record. Right today, there is a place for all your cases to exist. Right, your, you know, your work order management system. You may have your parts in, in uh, in ERP or whatever. But there is a system of record in place that everybody goes to and document stuff and find mm -hmm. stuff. Right, mm -hmm. just like there is a system of record, there is going to be a system of intelligence. Sure, the system of intelligence is going to be your single source of intelligence and decision making, and it is going to the input is going to be the people that are in that domain and all of the systems. So it's going to take data from, 
if you're using service cloud and from Salesforce and you're using Microsoft in, in Europe and you have an ERP from SAP, it doesn't matter. Your cases are in Confluence and SharePoint. It does not matter where the knowledge exists. It's going to take all of this data from your system of records and it's going to give you decision making. It's a system of intelligence. And I firmly believe the system of intelligence is going to be domain specific and it's going to be within each business unit or function, if you will. So there's going to be a system of intelligence for revenue yep. and forecasting and a system of intelligence for supply chain and a system of intelligence for service and field service. Um, and there is going to be a C there's going to be an industry where the CEOs are using their system of intelligence for forecasting going to wall street. And you do not want to be the one out of five CEO who does not get their forecast, right? Because they are not using the AI tool there. Right. And, and yeah. it's going to be, um, and I feel that system of intelligence for service is here to stay. And in some shape or form, every organization is going to buy or build that system of intelligence, right? And having one, not having, not having one for tech support and one for engineering. If you look at the service yeah. continuum, right? You have engineering, you have repair, you have tech support as a your customers, all of them mm -hmm. are contributing to that data, to that system of records that you have. Sure. The system of intelligence better not be siloed because what you're then saying is, what engineering is solving in terms of complex cases are in a separate AI. Sure. And yeah. tech support is using a separate AI. Yep. And, and now we have Gen AI, which is separate from a conversational perspective. That is going to go, that is going to be bad architecture decisions. But I think that's where the future is, at least for service intelligence. No matter where you start, you're going to land up somewhere in two, three years. In hindsight, you're going to look at it and say, oh boy. I made a whole bunch of wrong decisions <laughs> or I made them right. And, and sure that's the let's uh, let's uh, close out today's discussion. I got two follow-ups for you. What well, one is, first of all, thank you. Thank you for being uh, 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 one of our newest appointees to our technology advisory board. Uh, really super, super uh, humbled to have you join and, and really expand uh, the viewpoints. And you've already made a contribution real early here in that capacity. So thank you. Uh, what do you yeah what do you expect to get from from this sort of role in the community and the importance of kind of working together to push this industry forward uh, what what's uh what's the value you expect from the board role well i mean john i i obviously have been very impressed so when i attended you know the the caliber of um the, the decision makers movers and shakers of the their industry and 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 their companies that were they were at service council right so the kind of research you put in really the voice of the field service I uh, looked at that uh, and was like, man, this is this is real. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's exactly speaking to we are, uh, you know, the almost I thought about it is we are the we are the how or walking the talk of yeah. the metrics and stuff that you produce saying, you know, here is what's going on. Well, how do I solve it? Here is how you can solve it. So I want to be a part of that. Right. Sure. Of the solution. And, and it's a complimentary. I also want a front row seat. Like I want to be part of. Uh, you know, being very close to our customers. Sure. Uh, they're part of your advisory boards. They're, they're, they're attending your conferences. They're consuming your research. And we want to be, you know, learning and be part of that, uh, that whole process. So I, I think I, I feel like my learning is going to be uh, in terms of what's really helping, what's top of mind for my customers is going to be on, on right. And hopefully, um, I can, I can, even if it is 10, 15% of everything you produce and we can influence and help with, we can say out of these hundred things, these are the 10 things, and this is our point of view. And we bring learning back. Here's what we have Absolutely. learned from the data of a hundred fortune thousand companies and here's how they got it right. So Absolutely. hopefully we can influence a bit of that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, really, really pleased to have you. And, and maybe, maybe something for our listening audience to, to get to know you a little bit better personally. What's something you, what's a personal passion outside of work besides having to catch a plane? I know you got a, you got a short window here to catch your uh, flight home, but uh, what, uh, what's something you do outside of uh, growing uh, Neuron7.ai? Yeah, yeah, no. I so or the week, the weekends is obviously spending uh, spending as much time with the family and the kids as I can put in. But I think for uh, you know there's uh, there's things that you genuinely love. Uh, you find not more than two or three of them, and so music is is mine. And uh, I actually you know not only listen, but I uh, am getting into Indian classical music and singing. 
Oh, great. So I, take, uh, I take classes over the weekend, uh, one hour each uh, to kind of, that's my, that's my meditation. I don't have the patience to do actual yoga and stuff, but I'm lost for that one hour. Uh, so I learn Indian classical music and, and sing uh, in, with people that I'm comfortable with, obviously. And then, uh, and then golf was a other passion, but uh, that's gone with, with Neuron someone coming in. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Uh, well, listen, he's Nick and Patel. He's the CEO and founder of Neuron7.ai, one of our newest appointees to the uh, Technology Advisory Board. Nick, and thanks for spending an hour with me. This has been really insightful. I'm sure our listening audience really benefited from this. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me, John. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Outstanding. To our listening audience, uh, today's session will be available if you'd like to revisit it and uh, share it with colleagues as a resource. Thank you for joining. Thank you for participating. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care.